This is Fair Talk presented by the Northern Wisconsin State Fair. Don't forget to follow the Northern Wisconsin State Fair on all of the socials for details on the upcoming fair as well as all of the events going on the fairgrounds year-round. I'm Scott joined by the one and only Rusty Volk from the Northern Wisconsin State Fair. Rusty, how's it going? Well, since you told me I'm the one and only, I guess there's only one Rusty Volk around here. I guess that's all right. And yes, I'm Rusty Volk, and I'm doing just wonderful. It's an awesome day outside today, as it is most days here at the Northern Wisconsin State Fairgrounds. Got a few things going on, as you know, so uh, let's get this first uh, Northern Wisconsin State Fair Fair Talk rocking and rolling. So welcome. Yep, this is the debut episode, and on this series, uh, we'll have a lot to uh, cover, and uh, I know we're going to be meeting so many people that are a part of the fair and talking about things going on, not only with the the fair itself, but all the other things that go on. But on this first episode, uh, we're going to get a chance to know Rusty himself, a little bit of history of the, the fair, and Rusty, I think a lot of people in town know who you are, but there's always people that don't. So why don't you tell everybody, what is your role here at the fair? So my role at the Northern Wisconsin State Fair is the executive director. We have a board of directors that are 10 board of directors. Actually, I'm looking for another one. So if somebody wants to step up, it's an awful fun job to be on, to be in this development of the fairgrounds. So I am the executive director. This is my 14th year as the executive director. And I came on one year after the acquisition campaign for the fairgrounds in 2007. So in other words, in 2008, September 1 was my first day as the executive director of the board. And uh, we had at that time a nine-member board that was really focused on finances in order to make sure that this venue would remain fiscally solvent because it was uh, up for sale in 2007 from the previous owners, and it was in jeopardy of being bulldozed down to put duplexes on this property in the middle of Chippewa Falls. Thank God for a successful Save the Fairgrounds capital campaign that was run. And after that was run, it was a matter of, okay, now what do we do? How do we rebuild it? So from there, I've been uh, the director that have led numerous, uh, shall we say, planning sessions, uh, strategic planning sessions, facility planning sessions, uh, organizational structures to get it going. So we created a 25-year plan of action on what are we going to do with this property? In order to do so, we brought in, oh my Lord, all kinds of leaders from the community, from the 4-H and FFA to the bankers and chamber and school systems, the YMCA, and just, we touch everybody. The fair touches everybody. And so we had to bring in a lot of people to say, what are we going to use this venue for? Really, what, what are we going to use it for? What kind of buildings do we need? if that's what we're going to use it for. And interesting, it reminds me back when that all happened, is that one of the unique things that came out of that first strategic planning session was everybody wanted to make sure we, we retained the grease during the fair. Everybody loves the greasy fair food. It's that one time of the year where they can go out and blow their 
whole budget on all kinds of crazy food that they typically don't have. You know, you don't really have to worry about not gaining any weight during the fair because that's a reality of what's going to happen. But that was interesting. That was one of those first things that really came out. That along with what type of events. They're, they wanted uh, music events. They wanted the events for the kids, youth events. They wanted motorcycle events. They wanted, you know, uh, automobile events, you know, demo derbies. All those things came out. And so with that, you grab that and you say, what are, actually can we do with this venue and how does that work? So that's really the first step on how we went about it. Uh, as if you recall back then, the buildings were in quite disarray. In other words, there wasn't a lot of maintenance done at the time, and the infrastructure was, well, a lot to be uh, imagined. So we had lots of work to do to begin with. So that was the first steps. I recall my first day coming onto the grounds, and I walked around the exterior. Second day on the grounds, I walked around the exterior. Third day, I started walking around the buildings and going, where do we start? Where do we go? And from there, it was just a matter of putting little projects together. What can we do? Who can we get involved? And uh, how do we rebuild the fairgrounds? Uh, one of the things I always told the board back then is, this is a big sandbox. Let's invite everybody here to play in the sand, but let's play politely. <laughs> let's play so that we can all enjoy the sandbox. Well, you kind of, you kind of talk about what uh, you know what the overall goal and mission is, and it's hard to believe it's it's been you know about fifteen years, yeah. and I think a lot of people tend to, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, forget what it was because they've seen all the growth mm-hmm. over the last number of years, whether it is you know the Kathy over at Country Jam or the people over with the Eau Claire Express. I always like to ask people like you this. This, this is a year-round job. You guys don't just show up here a couple weeks before the start of the fair, and then there, there's a full-time staff. You work uh, full-time. So tell everybody a little bit about the work that goes in and, and, and what you and the staff are doing to prepare for not only the fair, but also sometimes these events, these various festivals you guys have hosted. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Uh Right away, they said, oh, the fair is done. You got, what, six, seven, eight months? You don't have to do anything anymore. Wow, that's so far from the truth. It's, it's uh, unbelievable in that regards. Uh, the reality of it is uh, we are right now planning for our 2024 fair. We are looking at artistry. We are looking at acts. We are looking at everything to fulfill for 2024 because, quite frankly, with COVID, it has forced us to plan ahead so much farther than what we have in the past. My initial years here, uh, we would start in January figuring out what type of main stage entertainment we're going to have for that July, which is six months away. That does not work anymore. There's no way does that work. That's not in the industry. And so that precipitates lots of really long-range planning as to where we're going. And that's kind of the beauty of having that 25-year plan of action, that original strategic plan of what's the fairgrounds of the future going to look like. So that's what happened in that regards. Initially, uh, we had a very small staff of myself, uh, our uh, maintenance uh, manager, Joe Sakara, and uh, Debbie Beyer, who's by finance, and uh, a lady that only wanted a part-time job, and she's been working full-time ever since. So it's, it's, uh, it's a mission of passion. 
I can tell you that much. I think anybody in the fair industry, in particular here, it's a matter of a passion that you uh, want to give back and you want to help everybody that uses the ground. So whether it's Kathy Wright or Wade Asher or the Oktoberfest committee, I mean, there are so many passionate people doing what we do to bring number one live music, but the fair is more than live music. The fair is all about agriculture and to reinvest into agriculture. And that's where the challenge has always been is how do we continue to invest in that activity of 4-H and FFA, youth showing animals and bringing in their their goods and their vegetables and showcasing to find the best of the best and that responsibility that they have. That's the challenging part that we always have, but it's actually getting better. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting better throughout the years. I'm sure that all the other organizations are involved in state and national groups that really become a network so that we all have common challenges and common successes that we can share to help build the whole community. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. It's a cha- every day is a challenge. I've never been in this position or in a job where every day you've got a new challenge, and that's good. That's good. That keeps you sharp. <laughs> of course, you become synonymous with the, the fair. Anybody who works anywhere for a number of years, you, you become you know the, the, yeah. the, the company and you become tied in. But uh, you had a life before the fair. So tell everybody a little bit about the background. So I've got an interesting background, which kind of suits my life uh, experiences to be where I am today. I'm a transplant to Wisconsin. I did not grow up here. I grew up in North Dakota on a dairy farming operation in southwestern North Dakota. And in my office, there's actually a picture of the farm that I was co-op, uh, that I co-owned with my dad. It was 1,900 acres, and we milked 100 cows back in the late 70s and 80s. Uh, that particular uh, passion growing up there and actually operating and running a fair on my own was uh, it's something that's once a farmer you're always a farmer you can tell that to anybody that's been in this business so we I ended up having to leave that uh, passion or uh, I had to leave my farming habit as my wife tells me uh, because there just was no financial gains in it the economic conditions of the early 80s it was truly a depression in those regards we had to go through some very challenging and struggling years and when as a farmer i think a lot of people need to realize you take a lot of gambles you take a lot of risks and you are at the mercy of the weather and the markets and consequently we had a number of years at uh, the farm in north dakota and uh, where we ended up borrowing a hundred thousand dollars at 18 percent interest just to buy feed Okay, just to buy feed for our prize cow. So I had I left that farming habit and moved to the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area and purchased a milk distributing business called Rusty Volk Distributing. Distributing milk and dairy products to all of the fast foods, the uh, my God, at one point I was delivering and took care of about ninety percent of the milk here in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls from Kemp's 
I was a Kemp's dairy distributor. I did that for 19 years, uh, putting my children through the various school systems, uh, through the Catholic school systems, and setting it up for them to potentially take it over. And uh, they decided that that probably really wasn't for them. And so I sold that business in 04 and became the development director for the Chippewa Area Catholic Schools. So from agriculture to a business to almost calling myself a professional beggar for <laughs> large dollars, okay, I was fortunate enough to help with the development of the office over at McDonald High School. And uh, there have been a number of development directors in there after me that have uh, kind of been keeping that ball rolling. Uh, in 08 then, uh, I came out of church one day and my best friend Chuck Frenette asked me if I would be crazy enough to run the fairgrounds and be considered being the manager. I said, what in the world are you talking about? I've never done that before, but that hasn't stopped me. Uh, I'm not afraid to start anything new and I love a challenge. So after finding someone to replace me at the school system because I'm passionate about making sure when I finish the job or move on from a job that that place is going to be sustainable. So that kind of helps me move right into where I am today and trying to make this place sustainable so that when I'm gone or when somebody replaces me, they're going to have a nice place to move into. I want to go back to something you had mentioned right at the beginning, and I think a lot of people recognize it, the, the, where the fair was 15 years ago. But just overall, with fairs in general, the evolution of fairs mm-hmm. and the importance of evolving affair things that you you have to keep the same but things you have to kind of tweak and some things maybe that have even tweaked that people didn't quite recognize when it was being tweaked mm-hmm. because we have seen a number of county fairs go by the wayside across the country and over in the twin cities they've had a couple that have uh, gone uh, belly up because it's not a you know it doesn't automatically happen a fair just because you've got a community doesn't automatically mean you you you're you're granted a fair you've got you've got to put it together and evolve with the times so talk a little bit about some the evolution of the fair and, and you guys over the last couple of decades okay that's a that's a great question because we are on our 125th edition of the fair this year and the fair here in Chippewa Falls, basically it was chartered in 1897 by the state of Wisconsin to be the Northern Wisconsin State Fair that encompassed 27 counties that supported the Northern Wisconsin State Fair. They selected this particular venue because it already had been a horse racing venue that was set up by the Illinois Horse Racing Association. Now, we'll just leave that alone. You know, it could be some mafia money buried someplace (laughs) around here that we're still digging for. But anyways, that's how this venue basically started. There were fairs, uh, shall we say gatherings by the county 4-H and uh, youth to showcase their animal, but it was never classified as an actual fair, county fair. And this was more of a regional district fair is what they call that. So that transitioned through the 30s. In the 30s during the Depression, there actually was no Northern Wisconsin State Fair in 1930 and 1931 because of the Depression, because the counties didn't have any money to support it. Because there was actually funds from those 27 counties that supported the Northern Wisconsin State Fair. Uh, Back then in 1932, 
to Archie Putnam and a number of benefactors and investors here in the region purchased the fairgrounds. From that point on, it's been privately owned and it continues to be privately owned to this day. Sure, it's changed some hands, private investors, etc. That changed it. The venue used to be 120 acres. We are now down to 55. So, well, private entity, private enterprise, stockholders, etc., if they didn't have a good year, they either have to all ante up to give more money to make it work, or they might sell some property, which is what happened in various eras and various times. So, there have been some, the history is fabulous. It's, it's very exciting to know the history of this venue, and uh, we are capturing as much as we can to showcase it for people, but that can be for another story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott, so over the years, it's developed to where it is now. We are currently a 501c3 public charity, which means all donations can be tax deductible on your taxes, which is a huge advantage over the corporation that it was for all those years from the 1930s up through 2013. After the acquisition campaign was successful, this organization was an ag association, a 501c5 as a classification. And in 2013, I worked to transform that ag association into a tax deductible organization of 501c3, which was successful. It took about a year to do so, but it really opened the doors for donors to help bring in money and to help rebuild the fairgrounds. And so that's been the catalyst that's really spurred on the giving and the donation activities in order to be where we are today. We are not affiliated with the county. We are not affiliated with the state in this regard. So this is still private property. I know a lot of people come on the grounds, they go, I can do whatever I want. I'm sorry, we welcome you, but you can't just do what you want. It's still private property. And with that, I invite you to come to the property, Tell you what, make a donation. You'll have some type of an investment and gain some ownership in it. So that's where my donation or my fundraising skills come in handy. <laughs> okay, Scott. <laughs> kind of goes back to I, I like that term professional begging a little while ago. I, I very much uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what you've said has always gone back to this. And, and uh, I, as we begin to wind things down, I wanted to go back to this. There, obviously, there's been lots of acts. There's been the renovations mm. to the, the stage area. Yeah. People like the Midway. They they like coming here and get everything that's fried, yep. if you will. Yep. But the basis has, has always been agriculture. I know when we've chatted before, it always comes back to that. And, and trying to maintain that as a very important part of the fair. I know there's been investment into some buildings with mm -hmm. that, too. There, there are some, there are some fairs, and there's nothing wrong with them. Where it is, it's all about. It's basically its own theme park, and then you've got a couple of goats over here to the side. Right. And you guys, I think, have always wanted to maintain that this has an, an agricultural uh, mm -hmm. foundation to it. Absolutely, Scott. There's a number of there's uh, right now there's 75 uh, state and county or county district fairs in Wisconsin, and some of those fairs are actually just truly just agricultural fairs. You know, and most of those simply strictly agricultural fairs are typically run by the county and county funded, 
tax dollars or funding and some of those things. Uh, then you have others, like you say, that is more of a carnival festival feel. And yeah, they got a couple goats here and there. Here at the Northern Wisconsin State, we definitely need to continue to blend that whole scenario. And the reason being is because it was always this agricultural fair that brought the community together, brought farmers together to define the best of the best. Why does your cow give more milk than mine? How are you breeding it? That competitiveness and how it goes. So that's important today as it was back in the turn of the century. It really truly is because currently ag in Wisconsin is continuing to grow. And the area right now that it's really growing is goats. You know, Wisconsin is the number one milk goat producing state in the United States right now. And so goat cheese, all those things are coming up. Uh, ag for the Northern Wisconsin State Fair is going to be even coming more on a front page with our new developments as well as our ag campus that we are building because we need to, uh, shall we say, assist the UW Extension Department and the FFAs in the community that are helping in the schools to develop those relationships of agriculture, uh, horticulture, you know, um, uh, water, using water to grow plants. We are going to be producing and showcasing here within the next year or so educational processes on how that is. Why is it? How do we, how do we grow food? How do we produce food to eat? As our population explodes, we need more food. And how do we get that? We have a limited amount of land that can grow crops. And that's a whole topic. And I would love to bring some of our agricultural partners in here to be on the show with that because that's important that the general public needs to understand the relevance of what farmers do and why they do what they do in order to produce more food. So those topics are need to be coming more forefront in the agricultural fairs in the United States. And that's where the Wisconsin Association of Fairs and the International Association of Fairs and Exhibition on the national level, we utilize and uh, I'm a participant in the lobbying efforts and some of these elements on the state and national level to help them to keep that in the forefront. Most people in town, they don't know where their food comes from. So I've got some granddaughters and I just grandchildren. And what I feed them is that fork in the mouth. We've heard the terminology from farm to fork. Hear that a lot in marketing. I'm sorry, but kids don't get that. It has to be from the fork to the farm because the fork is going in their mouth. That's where the food's going in the mouth. Where does the food come before it goes to the fork? Follow it back to the farm and then figure out how much you're going to have to eat in order where it's going to come and what farm. With that, with agriculture, with the, uh, uh, the crops that are growing, it's amazing the production that's there. And why do they do... Why do they have no follow, you know, follow less fields and all these things? I'm so glad I was a farmer because mm -hmm. I know the challenges that there is in putting a seed in the ground and praying to God that it's going to grow in order to pay for the equipment that I purchased in order to make it go. It can be done and it's being done and it's being done in a much more... Um, shall we say, element uh, with technology that's unseen already. But the common person doesn't know about that. 
and what my uh, what our agricultural campus will create then is children that'll be excited about animals goats sheep beef dairy you know chickens you name it they'll get excited about that they want to be part of it consequently they're going to want to go learn about it and become you know the next engineers in agriculture whether it becomes an uh, electrician, someone that knows everything that has to do with, uh, with tractors, that's uh, all GPS, you have to know computers, all that stuff is coming in the ag field. So that's, where, that's why we're relevant as a Northern Wisconsin State Fair, and that's why the fairs will continue. It's for the kids to be inspired to carry on. One last thing, of course, this is, uh, this is the, the fairgrounds, it is the yeah. fair, uh, but a lot of events uh, go on here. Uh, you guys have really tried to expand that calendar over the years, and, and tell us again the importance of making this as much of a year-round venue, especially when it's, it's, it's private. You, yeah. you, the more, when you have events here, that, that means there's a chance to make some revenue. When there's nothing going on, it's harder to make, harder to make revenue. It's no different than a storefront when you're open, you're... Yep. You, you got the cash register going. Uh, so <laughs> tell us a little bit about you know, making this more of a year-round venue and bringing in some events and working with the events. Absolutely. As a uh, dairy farmer, as a businessman, you always have to be diversified. And you cannot continue to uh, reap the profits of one event, i.e. the fair, because one bad day at the fair and you just lost money for the whole year. So that needed to be looked at and we needed to be fiscally responsible to have multiple events, to build the venue up, to get the infrastructure and the building set so that you can have many events. Uh, that's where the investment came in initially with the fairgrounds property. With that, you know, you start Oktoberfest has been here a long time. You know, we try to help them grow. We try to move. Uh, you know, one fest has grown by leaps and bounds. We've got numerous events that we have. The Indian Ed Kennel Show is here now. It's just, you know, we have, there was a, two weekends all summer long last year that we did not have anything going on. Some weeks we have four or five things going on during the week all the time. So that diversification of utilization of the venue, rental of facilities, rental of equipment, bringing in, you know, we continue to invest in the community and the community is the recipient of that particular investment because it's, it increases the economic impact of everyone. Our recent Chai High extravaganza that generates close to $200,000 in a single event for youth at the school on the athletic program. So every student, no matter what their financial situation, can play sports. It's not the child's fault. So let's fund that portion of it. Those types of events are, they're just builds the community and it builds the pride. As you may have noticed over the years, we've made the changes and in investment in infrastructure to start with, because that's where it starts. You got to have power. You got to have good roads. You got to have water. We've changed every water line on this property, believe me. And we've done those things to make it comfortable and pleasing for not only the customers for events, but for events to be here. We make it easy for events to come here and rent the facilities. We've got ample power, we got water, we got facilities, restrooms, and we're building more. 
Well, Rusty, that'll wind things down for the yeah. first episode, uh, quick and painless, and uh, much more to come here with conversations with you and for, with many of the other people that uh, make this whole operation yeah. go. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, Scott. Pleasure. Well, this is kind of a sign-off for the first Northern Wisconsin State Fair Talk. Join us again.